You're listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast, your place for life-changing messages that will build your faith and propel your life. If you enjoyed today's message, why don't you be a blessing and share it with a friend? Well, it's a wonderful thing. I love uh, the men and women of God that are standing for the truth, that will not bow their knee to the spirit of this world. And uh, I'm always blessed. One of the prayers that we pray uh, commonly is prayer. We call them kingdom prayers. You know, a lot of times when we pray, there's different types of prayer. A lot of times when we pray, many people focus uh, specifically only on prayers of supplication. That's, Lord, I need this. Could you send this? Can I, I need this. But there's other types. There's prayers of intercession. Prayer of praise is one of the types of prayer. But one of those, we call them kingdom prayers. And I guess it's a type of intercession. But we're asking God to touch his ministers all over the world. I'm asking God to touch the churches all over the United States. Lord, set a fire in our churches. Strengthen your pastors. Raise up people that will not bow their knee to the spirit of Antichrist. And I, I love the men and women of God that are doing the work of God. And uh, it always blesses me, and I'm always honored when we have men and women of God join us in these revival services. And, of course, we've had all week with us, all the way from uh, Colonial Beach, Virginia, Pastor Denise, Martha, and family. And uh, is she not here tonight? I understand. But we've been a blessing. And, of course, Christiana's here. Nathan's here. Her children. Would you put your hands together for the Marth family? Blessing. A blessing. Massive blessing. We're so blessed to have pastors Mike and Steph Harvey all the way from Willow Grove, Pennsylvania. Would you put your hands together? Glory Church is in the house. Hallelujah. Always a blessing. Pastors Danny and Lisa Haas all the way from York. Would you put your hands together? Amen. And you know, we're blessed. We're blessed. And of course, I don't know if you know, this is a, a couple that you may know. Pastors Joe and Sarah Spence right here from... Lancaster, Lancaster, Pennsylvania. <laughs> I love you. Oh, man, I'm telling you, I feel a spirit of faith in the house tonight. Anybody else can sense what God's already doing? Man, I tell you, when you come together with people who are of like faith, you set your faith, God meets you at your point of faith. God's not moved by need. He's not moved by attacks. He's moved by the faith of his people. That when we step out and trust and believe him, he said, I can believe however high you can raise your faith, that's how much I can do for you. And I'll tell you, God's getting ready to do some big things for his people. I, I've been encouraging people all year, start asking bigger. Start asking bigger. You know why? Because our God is able to do exceeding abundantly and above all that you can ask or think. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, I can ask for some big things. I can think of some even bigger things. I'm going to expand my, not only my meditations, I'm going to expand my asking. You know, one of the things, if you follow our ministry, all week this week, you know, we broadcast live on all platforms every morning at 10.30 a.m. And uh, at Monday through Friday. And one of the things I've been doing this week is really getting back to the confession of faith. And I said, you know, I just want to do something to bless people and to help them. And so this whole week, we've been covering 50 life-changing confessions you must speak over your life. 
50 life-changing confessions. You say, why you give so many? Because I noticed people weren't speaking anything. <laughs> so I said, let's help and let's get some kickstarting going. So what we're going to do is tomorrow, and we'll make it available to you too, but everybody that watches the broadcast from around the world and around the country, we're going to release all of those in a PDF format for download to your phone and tablet with all the verses of Scripture included. Because, you know, we don't just say stuff to say it. It's got to be based on the Word of God. We don't just make up confessions and start confessing. You say, what does God's Word say? And then once we discover what His Word says, we speak it out of our mouths and things have to change. Can you say amen? And so tomorrow's our final session of that 50 life-changing confessions and then I can't wait to put this in your hand because it'll just it'll just be something that'll kickstart you you know sometimes we did that also with prayer points you know we released for our ministry a hundred prayer points we put them in our app we put them out we put them out for people you can get them emailed to you but the 100 prayer points you say what's a prayer point you know I started praying earlier in my life I've been in church my whole life and my father's a preacher my grandfather's a preacher all my uncles and um, I used to pray, and, you know, let me, let me ask you to raise your hand if you've ever been in this situation. You're like, man, I'm going to press in. I'm going to pray like I've never prayed. I'm going to spend as much time in prayer. Then you get in prayer, and after about six minutes, you've prayed for everything you can think of. <laughs> Anybody been there? Like, man, I prayed for all of it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you just start thinking of everything I can think of. And I thought, Lord, I want to spend like Jesus, like the apostles did. You know, the apostles in the early church, they spent commonly an hour in prayer every day. Bible says they were headed to the temple at the hour of prayer. I said, Lord, I want to pray for an hour. I saw Jesus would pray for long periods of time. One passage in the book of Luke, he prayed through the night, the Bible says. I said, Lord, I want to do that. But it wasn't until I got connected to the Nigerian church that I truly understood how to use these prayer points in your prayer time. And I started listening to Pastor Adeboye and Pastor Oyedepo and Pastor Daniel Olukoya, these men that spend so much time in prayer. And I noticed a common thread through all of their mega churches in Nigeria. And that is they would provide for the people prayer points so that everybody's on the same page. Here's what we're praying for. Here's the scripture we're standing on. Now begin to pray. And I mean, you talk about people going into prayer. It's not, you know, in America and Western Christianity, you call a prayer meeting and it's basically like 16 people pacing around the sanctuary journaling for a half an hour. You know, God, I'd really just love it if you could just, have. no. And you go, if you've ever been a part of one of these uh, prayer services where people are pressing in with everything they've got, looks a whole lot different, you know, because let me tell you, when you're in a country where you can't just call 911 if there's a problem, it's a whole different thing. When there's not a CVS on every corner, I realize when you're in a place where you need God's help or else, they cry out differently. Oh, yeah. I was talking to the head of the Church of God in Nigeria. I was having a dinner with him in Jacksonville, Florida one time. And he was telling me some stories. He said, you know, and I never thought of it this way. He said, but let me tell you something. If you live in Nigeria, he said, you, be, you better be connected to some source of power. Doesn't matter what it is. He said, there's people, but you better be connected. He said, either, either people are connected to Islam. He said, or people are connected to Holy Ghost Christianity. Or they're connected to witchcraft. He said, but you can't just drift through. And he said, there's always somebody they're leaning on either demonic power or they're leaning on Holy Ghost power. He said, I'll tell you, I've been in crusades. 
Because, you know, when I downloaded some of these prayer points from these churches, I started reading them, and I was like, I never heard anything like this in my life. I read one, and I wanted to ask him about it. I was like, I noticed this prayer point right here says, we take authority over our airspace of our church and our crusades. I said, is the government trying to fly like helicopters in through on y'all when you're doing crusades? He said, no. Let me tell you what happens. He said, there is witchcraft that goes on through the nation of Nigeria. And he said, it's common practice. They, witches will meet at nighttime to hold meetings and to uh, abduct people for blood sacrifice, for power. And he said, they will commonly, by demonic power, fly through the air. He said, it's known. Everybody in Nigeria knows about this. And he said, they will fly through the air. Since I talked to him, I've heard Pastor Adeboye and Pastor Oyedepo tell stories about this. He said, but we've been having mass crusades. He said, we'll pray and we'll say, Lord, we take authority over our airspace in Jesus' name. He said, we've had it happen. Witches at night during the crusade flying through lose all demonic power and drop out of the air and hit the ground on the crusade field. And they jump up afraid. And they say, we're not here to harm anybody. We're just trying to get to where we were going. Because, you know, they can, they can sense there's a power here that's greater than what we have. They're not used to having their power just canceled out on them. In these nations where witch doctors and witch warlocks and witchcraft goes on, they're used to being the strongest spiritual force in their region. They're not used to flying or going somewhere and getting hit broadsided with the mighty power that's greater than what they carry in their witchcraft. And he said, I'm telling you, it's common. People will fall right out of the air and hit the ground on the crusade field because we take authority over our airspace in Jesus' name. Devil, you ain't just flying through here to do whatever you want to do. I started confessing it today. Let God arise and every enemy be scattered. Would you lift your hands and receive this? I declare it over you and your family. Every wicked thing the devil thought he could send through your neighborhood. God is arising in Jesus' name and every wicked thing is running from your house in the mighty name of Jesus. If you believe it, shout aloud, amen. What is that? That's the power of the Holy Ghost. The devil's got no ability to harass the Christian who takes hold of the shield of faith. Glory to God. I said glory to God. Somebody say the shield of faith. The shield of faith is so powerful because according to Paul, it can quench every fiery dart of the wicked one. Not some of them. There's not gaps in the shield where some of the darts come through and take you out. They quench. A, a better and more modern translation would be they extinguish every fiery dart of the wicked one. I was doing my Greek studies a couple of weeks ago. And as I was studying, I like to go through uh, the different vocabulary as I'm studying the syntax. And one of the things I found, which got me ready to run around my room, is that the same word that is used in Ephesians 6 that says it will quench or extinguish every fiery dart of the wicked one. It's the same Greek word that Paul commanded the church. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, yeah. Do not extinguish the fire of the Holy Spirit. See, what has happened in many places is that they've pulled back from the Holy Ghost 
They don't want the move of the Holy Ghost anymore. So they've disobeyed what the word of God says and they have extinguished the fire of the Holy Ghost in their churches. And as a result, they've dropped the shield of faith. And because they've dropped the shield of faith, they threw the fire of God out and now they have to deal with the fire of every dart. But if you will engage with the fire of heaven, if you will engage with the fire of the Holy Ghost, every fiery dart of the wicked one will be extinguished by the shield of faith. I came to encourage you tonight. There's not one weapon big enough to take you or your family out. You're uncancelable. You're unstoppable. You're unshakable. You're undefeated by the power of the Holy Ghost. Shout yes. It's the spirit of faith. Glory to God. I said it's the spirit of faith. When the fire of God is moving, I don't need less of God's power. I need more of those manifestations. Now see, you don't need more anointing. You already got all the anointing there is to get. See, nobody shouts on that because we've been told for years, oh God, just give us more anointing. I need more. You don't need more anointing. How much more than the Holy Ghost is there? Let me break that down again. If you've already got the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living in your body. How can we stand at an altar and say, God, give us more anointing? There's nothing more or greater than the Holy Ghost. He's the one that empowered Jesus to produce miracle after miracle after miracle. He's the same one. When Jesus was dead, lifeless in a tomb, decomposing after three days. No brain activity. There was no blood flowing. There was no lungs moving. He laid dead in the tomb. But on the third day, that Holy Ghost from heaven came into that tomb, took hold of a dead decomposing man and shook him back to life. And out Jesus came. Jesus got up and he's alive today and he's coming back soon. If you're thankful for it, shout aloud, amen. amen. There's no more or greater anointing than the Holy Ghost. And you've got the Holy Ghost. Somebody say, I got the Holy Ghost. Say it again, I got the Holy Ghost. Say it again, I got the Holy Ghost. That's why I can't get with these Christians that are telling everybody there's Christians that are demon-possessed, need demons cast out of them. How are you going to get a Christian demon-possessed when I'm already Holy Ghost-possessed? I'm already possessed by a spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. Tell me what demon is big enough to come into a Christian and kick the Holy Ghost out of his house. No, the strong man's living in me. I said the strong man's living in me. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. <laughs> I released on Twitter this last week a free course. If you want to be a part of it, a free course on how to cast out devils. Won't cost you anything. Would you like to take it? It's three steps. Get saved. Get filled with the Holy Ghost. Tell them, come out in Jesus' name. That's it. 
You don't have to wrestle. You don't need to get a puke bucket. You don't have to interview them for 40 minutes. You don't have to have 15 prophetic dancers surround them in leotard and, and dancer. You don't have, no. You just look right at it and say, come out in the name of Jesus Christ. Get out by the power of God. <laughs> hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. It's the spirit of faith. I said, it's the spirit of faith. Do you know when Paul, and they were traveling, Paul and them, Bible said there was a woman that had a spirit of divination, fortune teller, that was following them for many days, tried to hang with the group, and she was shouting, these are men of God. And I don't know why I always put that voice on her. I imagine she's been a smoker for 30 years. These are men of God. <laughs> Preaching the way to heaven. Huh? And she, many days, until the Bible said, one day, the apostle Paul became greatly annoyed. You know why demons hang around some people for years? Because people aren't annoyed with their operation. I'm going to preach that for a minute. Reason demons hang around and harass and oppress and stick around for years is because Christians have not learned to get mad in the Holy Ghost and get the fight back in their eyes and say, who do you think you're messing with, devil? I'm full of the power of the Holy Ghost. You got no room in my house. You got no room in my body. You got no room in my mind. You got no room on my kids. Get out in Jesus' name. They, they, they hang and hang. Because you know why? People believe the lie of the devil. Well, that's what happens. You get older and these things happen. You know how life is. You know you can never know what to expect next. No. That's not what faith says. I said that's not what faith says. Faith says I will have what God said is mine. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what's going on in the world system. I don't care what the government's doing. I don't care what the diagnosis says. If the word of God said it, it's mine, and I'm going to have it in Jesus' name. And Paul becoming greatly annoyed. It's time to get ticked off at some things that have been sent to harass you. It's time to get ticked off. I ain't putting up with this anymore. Not another day. I'm done. I said, I'm done. Paul becoming greatly annoyed. It's all right to get annoyed at the devil. Get annoyed at his operation in our generation. I'm sick of kids overdosing on heroin and fentanyl. I'm tired of people being stuck in a methamphetamine addiction. I'm tired of pornography taking over our young people. I'm tired of seeing divorce in the home. I'm tired of seeing physical abuse. I'm ready to stand up on my flat feet and say, devil, this far and no further. Enough is enough in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout, enough is enough. It's a spirit of faith. I said, that's a spirit of faith. And the Bible declares when you hold up the shield of faith, every fiery dart is extinguished by the power of God. See, this shows you how powerful the word of God is. Because the only way you build up that shield of faith is by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. Hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's been going into your spirit? What's been coming into your ears? 
What have you been feeding on? What is your spirit filled to the brim with? As I said last night, to where if you got squeezed, you know what would be coming out. The word of God. Hallelujah. I said the word of God. I said the word of God. <laughs> Glory to God. Hey, do you know when God was ready to change the world and turn everything on its ear, destroy the power of sin, you know what he did? He took his word and put it into a man. <laughs> took his word and put it into a man and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and he was full of grace and truth. Glory to God. The word became flesh. Now, now you can realize why demons always shook when Jesus come by. You know why? Because it was the literal word of God in a flesh suit walking past demon spirits and they couldn't stand to be close to the word of God because the word's so strong, every demon has to bow its knee, every wicked thing has to run at the power of the word. God's word is higher than any other force in the universe. I'm not saying it. The psalmist wrote it. Psalm 138 and verse 2. He said, Lord, you've magnified your word above your name. Now, you know how powerful the name of God is. Bible says God gave Jesus a name that's above every other name. Philippians. And at that name, every knee has to bow. Check this. In heaven... On the earth and under the earth. You know what that means? It means, number one, angels bow before him. Heaven and earth adore him. What a mighty God we serve. That's what it means, number one. Angels have to bow. See, we always read that verse and we think it's just, oh, demons have to bow their knee. No, angels have to bow. Every angel, I don't care how much power they carry, archangels, they got to bow their knee. At the name of Jesus. But this, it didn't just say in heaven. It said on the earth. You know what that means? Every human has to bow their knee. There's coming a day. I don't care what people's religious background is. They will all bow their knee to the name of Jesus. It ain't just going to be Christians that bow. Muslims will bow. Hindus will bow. People in the Baha'i religion will bow. Buddhists will bow. New age philosophers will bow. Agnostics and atheists will bow. I said they'll bow. Every human knee will bow at the name of Jesus Christ. But it didn't stop with heaven and earth. It said and under the earth. That means demons also have to bow their knee at the name of Jesus Christ. God not only gave Jesus a name that's above every other name, but he raised him up, the Bible says, and seated him at his right hand and put all things far under his feet. What kind of things? He said all everything, rulers and dominions and every name that is named, not only in this world, but that which is to come. Put them all far under Jesus' feet and then made him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body. Oh, glory to I feel like preaching this right here. Which is his body, the fullness of him that fills all in all. Sometimes we people have, we have a mentality that we're down here begging for help. Oh, God, we're going through it. We're oh, send, a, send an angel, send help. When you realize this is the greatest benefit 
of salvation. It's not that I became a friend of God. It's not that I became a child of God. It's not that I became just a new creature in Christ. The greatest revelation is that I became a part of the body of Christ, which means I became one with him who is on the throne, which means we're not separated from one another. He's the head and we're the body. Any body that has its head separated is dead. And we're not dead tonight. We're alive. Because the head is not only alive, but we're connected to the head. Hallelujah. I said we're connected to the head. I'm going to tell you something. When you, when you play hide and seek with little kids, they're not good at hiding. And I don't care how much they think. You know, there's kids that think if they close their eyes tight enough, you can't see them. Go ahead, find a hiding place. One, two, I know where you are. And you might hide. I remember one time I was with my son. I like to chase my son around the house. And I like to get him and tickle him till he screams. And, 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 and one time when he was real little, he was hiding. I said, you go hide, I'm going to come find you. And I can see, I walk around the house and the doors open he got behind the door against the wall to hide from me. But through the big crack, I can see him peeking out to see if I'm coming. And there he is. And he's holding. He's holding the door. And his little finger's coming through the crack, holding on to the door. And so I see the fingers. But you know, a good, a good dad, you still got to act like you don't know. Where could he be? Where could he be? Is he in here? No. <laughs> and so I'm looking. And see, if I were to come in, if we, if we played that tonight and that door was open and you had that, get this in your spirit because this will change you forever. If I, if I saw his little fingers or if I saw his toes sticking out from under the door and I pointed over there and said, oh, there he is, I see Teddy. I said, nobody's going to correct me and say, well, you don't see Teddy, you see his fingers. You don't see Teddy, you see his toes. No, no, he is his fingers. He is his toes. I'm preaching on this tonight. He is his fingers. He is his toes. The devil will tell you you're meaningless, that you're insignificant in the kingdom of God. He'll tell you that your life doesn't matter, but you got to remind him, no, no, I'm part of the body of Christ. I'm connected to the head. I don't care if I'm the pinky toe. If I'm the pinky toe, I'm still in the body of Christ. He is his toes. He is his hands. He is his arms. He is his legs. God didn't leave us down here, Ephesians 2, 6. Though we were dead in trespasses and in sins, he raised us up together and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We ain't down here begging for help. We're seated right where Christ is seated. Far above all, hallelujah, principalities and powers, rulers, dominions, and every name. Now let me just say this to you. Anything that has a name has a knee. And that knee has to bow. Anything that has a name has a knee. And that knee has to bow. Cancer's got a name, which means it's got a knee, which means it's got to bow in the name of Jesus Christ. Cataracts have a name. Glaucoma has a name. 
Diabetes has a name, which means they've got a knee and they got a bow. Chronic depression's got a name. Addiction's got a name. Drugs have a name. They've got a knee and they have to bow at the name of Jesus Christ. See, because remember something, the name is so powerful. The name is so powerful. But I'll tell you something. It's a representation of who and what he is. Of who and what he is. You know, think of it this way. His name, people think Jesus Christ. Christ was not his last name if you're looking in the phone book. Christ, Jesus. No. Christ was a description of who he was. Christ means the anointed one, the Messiah, glory to God. He is the Christ. That means he's the anointed one. He's the Messiah who has come down from heaven. There were people who didn't believe he was the one. Even John had some problems for a moment. He sent his disciples. He said, hey, John wants to know, are you the one or are we look, looking for somebody else? He didn't, see, he didn't get off and say, I can't believe he still doesn't believe me after all this time. No. He said, you go back and tell John the things you've seen and heard. Glory to God. The blind see. The deaf hear. What did he do? He started pointing to his miraculous works as the proof that he was the son of God, the chosen one, the Messiah, the Christ. He said, you go tell him what you've seen and heard. He said, I'm going to prove it to you. He said to someone else, if you don't believe me, at least believe the works that I am from the one who sent me. His power meant I'm the one. Nobody else could do what he did till he gave them power. Why? He was the word made flesh. Oh, man. I got I to gotta get this into your spirit tonight because this is who we're connected to right now. I said this is who we're connected to. This spirit of faith, it stems from the one we're connected to. I said it stems from the one we're connected to. Christ is the anointed one. We're not separate from him. We're in his body. I want you to say this out loud. If it can't harass Jesus... It can't harass me. Say it again. If it can't harass Jesus, it can't harass me. No, you're one and the same with Christ. One with Christ. We're one with Christ. I said we're one with Christ. When you were growing up, you might have had a best friend. You might have told people, we're like this. You're not like this with Jesus. You're like this with Jesus. You're not two people. He said, we are now one. We are united with Christ in baptism. We're not separate individuals. We are one and the same with Jesus Christ. Oh, man. The word was made flesh. But here's the powerful thing. The word didn't start existing when Mary gave birth. The word is eternal. John covered this in the first verses of his gospel. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was. <laughs> Glory to God. Do you know, I was reading some Greek commentary from Martin Luther. He said something so powerful. You know what he said? He said in one verse of scripture, John destroyed two heresies that were shooting through the church. Two heresies in one verse of scripture. You know what they were? Number one, there were people who said that 
God is the only one who is God. But Jesus who came to the earth is not God. He's just the son of God, a prophet, a good man. But he's not divine. He wasn't deity in the flesh. But in this one verse, if you look at it, it says in the beginning was the word, speaking of Jesus, and the word was with God, proximity, and the word was God. He's letting you know from the beginning, he's not just any other individual. He's not some other spirit. He has the same virtue, the same power, the same nature. He is God. When he came down, he is God in the flesh. One disciple saw him and said, my Lord and my God. He knew who Jesus was. He is God in the flesh. But then there was another group of people that did not believe that there were multiple members of the Godhead, that God somehow transitioned who he was throughout time. In the Old Testament, he was God the Father. Through the Gospels, he was Jesus on the earth. After Pentecost, he was the Holy Spirit. But no, he's showing us in John chapter 1 and verse 1 that they existed at the same time. They were separate individuals with the same nature, the same power, the same union, the same mission, the same goal. Hallelujah. Jesus Christ is the second member of the Godhead. He is the word that existed from the beginning of time. There's a reason I'm telling you this. It's because you think Jesus just started existing in the Gospels? No, baby. Jesus was in the Old Testament. Jesus showed up, hallelujah, in the Old Testament. Many people don't know this, but if you look in the original language, Jesus, the, the name Jesus came out of the Latin manuscripts that were translated, but his real name, if you read it in the manuscript, Joshua. His name was Yeshua, Joshua. Same name as Old Testament Joshua. And there came a time where Old Testament Joshua was ready to go to battle, and he was about to fight. And then a man came walking on the battlefield. The Bible called him the commander of the Lord's army. And Joshua saw the man coming. He said, hold up. Are you for us or are you against us? You know why? He could tell he carried power. And the man came walking right up to Joshua and stood and looked at him face to face, eye to eye. And Joshua fell down at his feet and began to worship him. You know how you know that this was not an angel in the Old Testament? Because any other time that an angel appeared and people fell down to worship them, the angels would say, stand up and do not worship us, but worship God alone. This man did not tell Joshua to get up. He just stood there and received all of his worship and received all of his praise because the commander of the Lord's army is Jesus the Christ. It is the word made flesh, hallelujah, that dwelt among us. He is the Lord of hosts. I could preach a whole message on Joshua who met Joshua. <laughs> Glory to God. The deliverer. Jesus showed up. You know who else he showed up to? Showed up to Moses in the Old Testament. Moses looked over and there was a burning bush. It wasn't God the Father in the bush because when he got over there, that bush was burning, but it was not consumed. It wasn't the bush that was on fire. It's what was in the bush that was on fire. Our God is a consuming fire. 
God was in the bush. But it wasn't God the Father. He began to speak. He said, hold up. Who should I tell Pharaoh sent me? He said, you go tell him. The I am that I am has sent you. And I'm going to tell you, if you go over into the Gospel of John, chapter 18, Jesus is up in the garden praying, and he's ready to go to the crucifixion. Judas betrays him, and in come the soldiers into the garden, fully armed and fully armored, and they're ready to take Jesus out. Apparently, it was a ridiculous picture because Jesus looked around and said, am I some kind of dangerous revolutionary that you got to come get me full of swords and shields and armor? He said, you could have taken me any day of the week in the temple when I was teaching. You really need all that? They said, we got a question. He said, well, who are you looking for? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> they were looking for the natural man. Oh, yeah? You looking for a carpenter? See, there's people that still make a big deal. He was a carpenter, brother. What do you think, Jesus is in heaven making crown molding? You think he's up there making rocking chairs? People make so much of that. He was a lowly carpenter, brother. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they, they came up in the garden looking for a natural man. We're looking for the rabbi. We're looking for the revolutionary. We want to see Jesus of Nazareth. He said, let me reintroduce myself to you. He said, you, let me tell you who you found. I am. God. If you have your Bible, you can look at it in John 18. And it says capital I, capital A, capital M. And the translators added a little he for context. But he wasn't saying, I'm him, I'm Jesus of Nazareth. He was revealing himself as the same one that was in the bush. He said, I am. And when he said, I am, every soldier fell backward on their back. Their swords weren't enough. Their shields weren't enough. Their armor wasn't enough. He didn't need to draw a sword. He had a two-edged sword coming out of his mouth. And he said, I am. And when he said it and revealed his nature, his character, his power, it was too much for his enemies. Too much. Somebody say, Jesus is too much for his enemies. Do you know why Jesus had to close his mouth down and stop talking all the way through the crucifixion? Because if the word would have started speaking, every plan to take him out would have been thwarted. There's no army that could have held him. I mean, the grave can't even hold him. You think you're going to hold him with handcuffs and a sword? There wasn't nobody that could hold him down. This was not the first time they tried to kill him. The Bible said he was preaching one time. And revealed who he was. People got so angry. The Bible said they picked up stones to stone him. How many stones hit him? Not one. Because you can't murder the master. I said you can't murder the master. And so the stones could not touch him. Another time and after he revealed himself. They, a mob of angry men formed to kill him. They were going to push him up the brow of a cliff. And off the cliff to plummet to his death. But Jesus was bad to the bone. So as they tried to grab him, the Bible said he just passed through the crowd. Hallelujah. They couldn't touch him. They couldn't destroy him. That wasn't the first time they tried to kill him. And people get all bent out of shape. The Jews, oh, they killed Jesus. They murdered Jesus. You can't murder Jesus. He said it out of his own mouth. I've got the power to lay down my life 
and I got the power to take it back up again. No man can take my life from me. That's why when they arrested him and they took him in, it was the only time that the word stopped speaking and he had to sit there silent so that you could have your redemption, so that you could have your covenant. He said, I'm going to let them, I'm going to lay it down so they can have their freedom, so they can have their salvation, so they can have their healing, so they can have their blessing, so they can have their peace and joy. I'm just going to let them take me. I'm going to let them whip my back. I'm going to let them beat me till I'm unrecognizable. I'm going to let them nail my hands and nail my feet. I let them put a crown of thorns on my head. I let them pierce me in the side and I won't say a word because I'm going to let it happen because three days from now, I'm getting ready to take my life back up again the spirit of faith I said the spirit of faith it's connected to the Lord Almighty Jesus Christ we're connected to him by covenant you know what's awesome to me he said I've got the power to lay it down and I got the power to take it back up again then he told his disciples, they're going to tear this temple down. And then in three days, I'm going to raise it back up again. And they all started talking. It took years to build this temple. <laughs> know what he's talking about. They thought he was talking about Herod's temple. No, 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 no. The Bible tells us that after he was resurrected, it came to them. Hold up, he was talking about his body. Way to catch on, disciples. That was quick. He said, in three days, I'm going to raise it back up again. Now, let me say something to you. When he said those words, that was a prophecy coming out of his mouth. Think about that. In three days, I'll raise it back up again. Prophecy. If his body did not come out of that grave on the third day, he would have been a false prophet. If his body came out of that grave on the second day, he was a false prophet. If his body came out on the first day, false prophet. He specifically said, on the third day, after three days, I'm going to raise it back. Now here's where I want to get into your spirit. The moment he said it, he released that word. And the word of God started working. Oh, man. You say, why is the word so powerful? The reason the word's so powerful, man, I feel this so heavy right now. I feel like I could run around this place 30 times and still have the strength of an army. I'm telling you, the spirit of faith will do something to you. It's like David said, I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. Sometimes you feel like flipping it. I could leap over the troop and run through the wall. I'm telling you, spirit of faith will make you do stuff different. It'll make you act differently. It'll make you speak differently. That's what I'm feeling tonight. There's a strong spirit of faith in this atmosphere right now. Catch this. Take it home with you. Take this spirit of faith back to your job. Take it back to your kids. Take it back to your family. Take it back to your loved ones. Hallelujah. Take it back to your neighborhood. Walk the streets of your neighborhood and declare not one evil thing's coming in this neighborhood. Drug dealers ain't coming in this neighborhood. People coming for crime and addicts, they're not coming in this neighborhood. Power is flowing through these streets. Holy Ghost is flowing through these streets. Oh, hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. 
Why is God's word so powerful? You know why? Because he is his word. Somebody say, he is his word. God's not separated from his word. He is his word. That's why. Why do you think that prophet Isaiah could say regarding God, using the prophet to say it? When I send my word out, it doesn't come back empty. Doesn't return void. It always accomplishes what I send it to do. And it prospers in the thing whereunto I've sent it. Why? Because who's going to deny God? When God speaks, if it is him. The Bible says, that's why I read John 1.1. 1, 1. And the word was with God. And the word. Can I, this, this ruffles people's feathers. But I'm going to say it to you anyway. This word is as much God as the person sitting on the throne tonight. I had somebody accuse me, Pastor Mike. Oh, you, I'll tell you what, you, you're, you're into a different kind of heresy. I said, am I? Oh, yeah, you're a heretic. I said, really? What, what am I into? I wanted to find out what my problem was. <laughs> what am I into? Oh, yeah, you're into it. <laughs> and then they told me, my problem is that I worship the Bible. Tried to, I was trying to process it. I'm still trying to process it. Your problem is you worship the Bible instead of the Lord. I'm still even trying to figure out how that works. Because God is his word. Do you realize all that can be known about God is found in this word. Nothing can be known about him that's not in this word. Nothing. The Holy Ghost will never tell you anything about God that can't be verified by his written word. Anything we know about God, we know from his word. That's it. I don't even know how to worship him unless he told me how to worship him. I don't know how to sacrifice to him until he told me how to sacrifice. I don't know what he's expecting of me. I don't know what holiness is until he told me what to do and what not to do. And so I lift his word far above all things, not because I exalted it, but because he exalted it above his name. I'm still trying to figure it out. You know why? The reason I say that is because Paul wrote to Timothy in the third chapter of the second letter. And he said, all scripture is breathed out by God. <sighs> Came right out of God's mouth. You know, that's why I don't like the translation that says that uh, all scripture is inspired. All scripture is not inspired. All scripture is expired. It's only the writers who were inspired. That means you receive what came out. God's word, though, is expired. It came out of him. Didn't come into God. It came out of God. That's why I like what the ESV says. All scripture is breathed out by God. Came out of his mouth. If you go to Bible school, they make you take a course called pneumatology. You know what it is? It's the study of the Holy Spirit. But all that is is two words smashed together. Pneuma, which means breath or spirit, and logos, which is the writing of or the teaching of pneumatology. It's just really the study of the wind or the spirit. And uh, people, if you get this, this will make you, I'll tell you, it'll put you a head and shoulders above in your victory. Because I'm, I'm going to show you how in just a moment. The Bible says 
that, and when you study pneumatology, you study the Holy Ghost, he is the breath of God. Get this into your spirit. He is the breath of God. And do you know why the word's so powerful? Because the Holy Spirit came out of God's mouth and went into the writers of the scripture. Let me read you a passage that will blow your mind. 2 Peter 1. This is going to make you shout. I'm just setting you up real quick because I'm going to show you where your victory's at. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. The Bible said, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. You know what that means? Nobody ever just sat down and said, you know, I think I'll write the book of Numbers today. They didn't do that. Paul didn't just sit down and say, you know, I feel like writing a letter to the church at Ephesus. No, the Holy Ghost came upon him, and he wrote what the Holy Ghost told him to write. All Scripture is breathed out by God. Every writer who wrote something in the Scripture, they were inspired as the Holy Ghost came on them or in them to cause them to write what they wrote. It is the what? breath of God. It is the thing that comes out of God's mouth that gives life. Watch this now. Gives what? Life. It gives what? Life. Oh, hallelujah. That's why Jesus said, I am the bread that has come down from heaven. The bread of God is the word of God. He said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am Christ, who is the word, is the life. And that light was the light. Watch this now. Adam, I preached this a little bit last night. Adam was on the ground, formed by God. Looked like a sandcastle. Just formed, laying there. But God wasn't done. So you know what he did? He lowered his face and blew. And when that breath came out of God's mouth, the Holy Spirit, it jumped into that sandcastle man and he became a living being. Adam was the first Holy Ghost filled man. All those years ago, it was the breath of God that brought him up out of the ground and turned him into a living being. It's the breath of God. That's the life that comes into you. The Holy Ghost. Oh man, I feel like preaching. Anytime you speak, you can't speak without releasing breath. That's every, you ever been around somebody that just talks all the time and they're always taking a breath because they're always going to tell you something that's going on and you're not going to believe what happened to him and he went to the mall and he was at the mall with your sister and your sister said, always breathing. Oh, why? Because it takes breath to speak. I want you to take your hand, put it in front of your face and say power. Can you feel it? You can feel it hit your hand. Say it again, power. That means when God speaks, the Holy Ghost is released when he speaks. When you speak the word of God, the Holy Ghost that's in you is released when you speak. The breath of God that's in your body. I said the breath of God that's in your body. You can't speak the word without the Holy Ghost coming out with the word. Because the spirit and the word, they agree. There's only three times in the Bible... Jesus shouted or lifted his voice. The first time was in front of Lazarus' tomb. 
Do you know every time Jesus lifted his voice, dead people got up. Lazarus' tomb, the Bible said he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And when he did, out popped Lazarus. Huh? Still wrapped in grave clothes. He wasn't unwrapped yet. He said, loose him and let him go. Came popping out. What happened? Jesus lifted up his voice, and when he did, the breath of God came out of his mouth, and that man had to get up. The second time Jesus lifted up his voice was on the cross of Calvary. And the Bible said right before he gave up the ghost, he cried out and shouted with a loud voice, to Telestai, it is finished. And he shouted. And when he shouted, the breath of God came out of his mouth. You know what happened? People don't preach on this anymore. But this didn't happen on the resurrection day. This happened on the crucifixion day. After he shouted and breath of God came out of his mouth, the earth began to shake. And the Bible said the earth shook so hard. And then the graves around that whole area, holy men and women that were dead in their graves, when Jesus shouted, they got up out of death and stepped outside the grave and began to walk around in the graveyard. Jesus opened his mouth and he shouted and dead people got up. The third time Jesus shouted in the scripture has not happened yet. But there's coming a day that the trumpet's going to sound and the Bible says Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with a commanding shout and the dead in Christ are going to get up out of their graves. Those of us that are alive and remain will be caught up. We'll be caught up to meet him in the air. Somebody shout the dead are getting up. It's the breath of God. The same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus up, raised Lazarus up. The same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus up, raised holy men and women up on crucifixion day. The same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus up is going to raise us up. On that day, gravity won't be able to hold you anymore. Huh. All of a sudden, you'll be in the middle of checking out at Walmart. And all of a sudden, there you go. Caught up to meet him in the clouds. Because the trumpet will have sounded. And in the twinkling of an eye, every one of us will be caught up. And this whole world won't be able to hold us down any longer. I'm ready for that day tonight. Are you ready for that day? So when you begin to speak, I'm speaking about the spirit of faith. Somebody say, I have a spirit of faith. Say again, I have a spirit of faith. Oh, yes, you do. And when you speak the word, you're releasing the power of the Holy Ghost. See, God... God was not done blowing his breath after he blew into Adam. Oh, man. I'm going to get you with this now. Come on. Oh, get a notepad. Get something. He blew into Adam first because he was trying to make living beings on the earth. So he blew. But that was to make physically living beings. He said, I'm now looking to make some spiritually living beings and the first thing he did when he came back from his resurrection is he looked at his disciples and said receive ye the Holy Ghost 
and he breathed on them. The same breath that came on Adam and made him a living being is the same breath that hit the disciples and made every one of them new creatures in Christ Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say, new creatures in Christ Jesus. That same anointing that brought Adam up brought the disciples up. You say, well, maybe God was done blowing his breath. He wasn't done yet. I said, he wasn't done yet because he didn't want to just renew them. He wanted to give them power. He said, so go ahead and wait for a little bit in Jerusalem till you're filled with power from on high. And on that day of Pentecost, 50 days after the resurrection, they're all in one accord, in one place. First thing that happened was not that fire sat on their heads or that they spoke in tongues or that they prophesied. The first thing that happened was that they heard a sound. Something was blowing again. I said something was blowing again. God wasn't done blowing his breath. There came a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind. What is it? God opened his mouth and started blowing his breath again. And when he did, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. I'm telling you tonight, you're full of the breath of God, the Holy Ghost. It's time to speak what the word of God said. Somebody shout amen. amen. We believe, therefore we. <laughs> we believe, therefore we speak. The breath of God is on the inside of you. That's why when something comes against you, you start speaking. You're not reciting some old dusty book. This is not some other religion with some outdated book written by some crackpot who had an alcohol problem. I saw 19 angels last night. <laughs> You've gone through two bottles of wild turkey and a bottle of Crown Royal and you're out in the back. I saw 19 angels. <laughs> Think I'll write a book. This is the living word of God. And when you speak it, when you speak it, the breath of God comes out of your mouth for the spirit and the word they agree and then things have to change why do things have to change because when you release the word of the almighty God then mountains have to move whosoever shall say glory to God whosoever shall say whosoever shall say who, you know what sets us apart from others in this world is that I'm not just saying what I heard on the news I'm not just repeating what I saw on a social media timeline I'm not just repeating what somebody said at the water cooler when something's going down I know exactly what I'm going to say I'm going to say what the word of God says when somebody asks me how I'm doing I'm not going to pedal through well I'm, I'm getting by I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there I ain't going through all those uh, colloquialisms that we've grown up with when somebody asks me how I'm doing they can find out real quick best day of my life baby I'm feeling real good I've been you know people so, are so used not, not used to hearing that cracks me up I'll go through drive throughs and just specific, I'll say it to people just to see what their face looks like how you, you know they always have to ask how you doing today it's just the standard question at every drive. How are you doing today? I'll, I'll just yell it right into the speaker. This is the best day I've ever had in my life. <laughs> Throws on. Oh, oh, that's, that's good to hear. I, what, what happened? 
they're expecting you to know, I won the lottery. Or, you know, it's like, no, it's the best day. I'll tell them, but wait till tomorrow. <laughs> you thought today was good, wait till tomorrow. See, people don't even have an expectation like this. You gotta have an expectation. I'm not going through life expecting things to get worse. I don't believe in roller coaster Christianity. Up one year, down the next year, upside down the next year. No, it's ever increasing until Jesus comes. I said ever increasing until Jesus comes. Why? Th throw it up on the monitor for me if you would please. Proverbs 4.18. I'm living by this. You said you're really living by a proverb? I'm living by it. Because the Bible is very clear that the path of the just or the righteous is like the light of dawn which shines brighter and brighter until full day. The path of the righteous, that's you, that's me. It's not getting dark one day, bright the next, kind of cloudy on the third day. No, our path is shining brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Yeah, but what about next year? Brighter. What about five years from now? Brighter. What about next month? Brighter. It's getting brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter until full day. I'm telling you, expect the best. Expect your victory. Expect your breakthrough. Expect a turnaround by the power of the Holy Ghost. Shout yeah. It's a spirit of faith. Hallelujah. People hear you preach like that and say, well, brother, don't forget the devil attack. Yeah, I'm not saying the devil doesn't attack people. Let me just say this, put it in your notes. It's scriptural to be attacked. It's unscriptural to be defeated. <laughs> it's scriptural to be attacked. Unscriptural to be defeated. Attack all you want. I got a shield of faith. Shoot all the fiery darts you want. That's fine with me. I got a shield of faith. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your strength. Because every fiery dart you fire is going to be extinguished by this shield of faith. You can't take me down. You can't take me out. You can't destroy my family. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it in Jesus' name. I'm going to make it. I'm going over. I'm going over. I'm going over by the power of the Holy Ghost. Oh, yes. Hallelujah. I said hallelujah. Hallelujah. Cannot be defeated. <laughs> oh, the devil's look, he's looking for people that will walk around with their head down. <laughs> Hallelujah. How many know it's hard to serve the Lord? But it'll all be worth it one day. Hallelujah. I'm sure y'all been to those services as well somewhere. Oh, hallelujah. Then they break out. Sister Sharon's going to sing page 439. If you could all turn in your hymnals. Won't it be wonderful there, having no burdens to bear, joyously singing with heart bells all ringing. They even sing joyful songs depressed. I was growing up, we used to sing that with life. Won't it be wonderful there? I mean, we're going after it. Excited to get to heaven. Hallelujah. Oh, just keep us in prayer, brother. Then you have Sister Sharon get up to sing her special. Y'all pray for me. I haven't had time to practice this week. 
Don't listen to my voice. Listen to the words. Hallelujah. Sound man track number three. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 Give him some praise. Hallelujah. I had a tickle in my throat all week. The devil's been after me. Hallelujah. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah. Y'all pray for me, my braids itch. Hallelujah. Praise God. I've been battling. Sound man track three. Glory to God, glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. That's how long you'd have to wait in a service for the track to start. <laughs> And then you get the most depressing song that ever hit the place. <laughs> People are sitting there thinking, visitors are thinking, if this is Christianity, I, I, I want to be something else. I don't know what this is. I had more fun at the club. <laughs> you know what's rough? You know what's rough when you leave a church service with more pain than a hangover? <laughs> You're like, I actually prefer to be tweaking. I don't know. This is, this is rough. Sister Sharon's wild. <laughs> I can't live that defeated, old, busted lifestyle. I can't let. Then there's people, they quote half verses to you. Well, how many know the Bible says, though, many are the afflictions of the righteous, brother? Yeah, read the rest of it. But the Lord delivers them out of them all. Not some of them, baby, all of them, every last one that the devil thought he could send. My God is able to deliver. Yes, he is. I said, yes, he is. My God is able. It's not a hard, you know what's hard? It's not a hard thing to serve the Lord. It's a hard thing to live outside the covenant. It's a hard thing. Trying to make ends meet without a provider trying to get through health problems without a healer, trying to get through marriage relationships without a comforter and a God. Let me tell you what's really hard. It's trying to make it through this life where every demonic force under hell is trying to attack our generation, but you've got no covenant of protection, and you're trying to find your way like a blind person through a hallway trying to get to the end. Let me tell you what's easy. When Jesus said, are there any among you that are weary or heavy laden, come unto me, and I'll give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden is light I said my yoke is easy and my burden is light somebody say amen to that his yoke is easy burdens light Jesus didn't say you know if there's any among you that are weary carrying a heavy load come unto me and I'll show you what heavy is that's how some people preach Jesus you come unto me. You think that's hard. Come carry my cross, brother. You want to feel heavy. You don't know what heavy is. Walk a mile in these sandals. <laughs> come try on these Jerusalem ones. That's how people preach Jesus. Like he would, I'm going to lay some real burdens on your shoulders, brother. No. I want you to say this out loud. I'm not called 
to carry burdens. I'm called to carry blessings. Say it again. I'm not called to carry burdens. I'm called to carry blessings. Say it one more time. I'm not called to carry burdens. I'm called to carry blessings. Yeah, the Bible said, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. I'm not keeping any portion of them back for myself. I'm not casting 75% of my cares onto him and keeping 25% for myself. I'm casting every care upon him. When I was growing up, we used to have a song we'd sing in crusades. Take your burdens to the Lord and leave them there. Some people go at the end of the service, pick them back up again and take them back home like it's a coat rack. It ain't a coat rack. Don't leave your burdens for the service and then before the service comes to an end, put them back on your shoulders and head back home with them. Man, what a powerful service we had, amen. But, you know, we got to get back to real life, amen, reality. I'm a realist, brother. I'm a realist. Just using wisdom, brother. I'm just, it, it ain't wisdom. That's not the wisdom of God. Don't take what the devil tried to put on you and keep it like it belongs to you. If you got stuff you've been battling, stop claiming it as it's yours. Stop saying, well, my, my diabetes. and Oh, let me tell you something. My cancer has been flat. Oh, man, my cataracts. Since when did it become yours? I thought Jesus took it upon himself. I thought he took it upon his body. I thought he bore it for you. He took stripes upon his back. Oh, I said he took stripes upon his back. He took it off you and he put it on himself and became a curse so you could be free. Hey, this is Pastor Joe. And before you go, I want to pray with you to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is your opportunity to be 100% sure that heaven will be your eternal home. It's very simple. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you mean business with God, he means business with you. I want you to pray this very simple but powerful prayer and mean it with all your heart. Repeat this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. I believe that you were crucified and God raised you from the dead. I believe that you are the Son of God. I repent of all my sin and I ask for your forgiveness. I give you my life. Do something with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Welcome to the family of God. The Bible says all the angels in heaven are rejoicing because you just prayed that prayer. The next step is to find a good... Thank you for listening to the Life in Christ Church podcast. Help us to continue to share the message of faith with those all over the world. Visit licchurch.com forward slash give to partner with us today.